did you have withdrawal symptoms after you got out of your narcissist relationship? Because a lot of times when we get out, it can feel kind of like we're detoxing from a drug. Yeah. Well, every time I left and wanted to go back, I felt the withdrawal. Yeah. It was like a drug then. But my final time, I just, once he tried to cheat with my sister, I was like, I'm done with that crack cocaine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me go over to my wine bottle and just drink away and I'll be fine. <laughs> ancestral patterns. She is an ambassador of Gain Your Sparkle Back after narcissistic abuse and a certified meditation teacher and author of Empath and the Narcissist, Overcome Narcissistic Abuse and Recover from PTSD, Codependency, Gaslighting, Manipulation, helping empaths heal from their black sheep wound through her transformational workshop. In addition, through grounded and heart-centered teachings, she elevates the spiritual journey and concepts that you are uniquely magnificent and contrary to your doubts. You are here for a purpose. As an international author, narcissistic abuse recovery coach, podcast of Empath and Narcissist, and creator of Embracing Yourself Workshop, she is dispelling the narcissist power one soul at a time. Being that we are empaths, people pleasers, we need to work on our boundaries with narcissists, toxic people, and energy trainers. Learn how to set powerful boundaries with the narcissist and toxic people with a free narc abuse recovery workshop. You can get access today by following the link in the show notes, and I am super privileged to introduce to you Raven Scott to the show today. Hi, everyone. I am really, really, really excited tonight to be joined by Raven Scott. She is the author and the host of the Empath and the Narcissist podcast. Tonight, we're going to get into everything narcissist and narcissistic abuse. Raven, can you introduce yourself to our audience? Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. Yes, I am I'm, I'm always happy and excited. At first, when I wrote my book, it was very cathartic. And then I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to talk about narcissism for forever, right? I felt like it was something that I needed to just heal and get over. Yeah. But the more I kept getting feedback from people reading my book and gifting my book to other friends and just hearing that my words have helped them, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is this is just part of my gig. This is what I'm here to do is to share. Because really, the more we talk about it, the more we dispel the darkness, that we dispel all their tricks and their conniving lies and all the things that they've been trying to hide for so long. And then the more we talk about it and allow other people to not feel alone, that's when they lose their power. And hopefully, the main goal for me is that's when we end the cycle of them taking advantage of our kind-heartedness as empaths, that we can be so vulnerable to it because they, they know how to push our buttons. They know how what, what exactly to say. That makes us completely trust them with everything. Yeah, so it's just a, a huge, yeah, a huge mission of mine is to break those ancestral patterns. Mm, I love that. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. <laughs> Having survived <laughs> something, I, I really do have to be completely honest. My abusive relationship with a narcissist was by far the hardest thing I have ever gone through in my entire life to this day. It is actually just treacherous and people don't know unless yeah. you've been through it yourself. Right. 
You know what? And I would say on the, the healing end, I'm going to be really honest and maybe a little bit harsh about this, but so with my romantic relationship, I'm a survivor. I've been, I was with him for 10 years and like eight of those years were just mind blowing, twisting, like just abuse and horrible. You know, I, I got to the point where, yes, I did actually want to drink the entire bottle of vodka and just end my life right there. And it was horrible, right? It was just, yes, it was the worst thing ever. But then as I started to heal, realizing that my parents were covert, that to me was far worse. And that was really hard to, to heal through and to accept and like to stop chasing them and to stop justifying their behavior and like continuing to, you know, let them push my boundaries and like, and or most of the time just neglecting me. Mm-hmm. And then me always chasing them like that to me was the worst, but we all have lots of different paths, right? All of our journeys are unique, but for sure, any, anytime someone says, yeah, I experienced a narcissist, it's just like mind blowing. It's just intense. Yeah, absolutely. I would so love to have an episode talking about narcissistic parents, because a lot of people that enter into these abusive relationships had a parent that was a covert or an overt narcissist themselves. So it definitely is a pattern that can follow us into our later adult years. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really shocking when I left. I didn't even realize that I was being abused. I just knew that I needed to get out of there because there was like, I could physically see like this dark mist one night after an argument, like looming over me and the lights were on. So I was like, this is really creepy. And then I could like as I was dreaming, I like dreamt of this like black vortex pulling me down, like oh. into darkness. And I, I knew I had to get out. And so, you know, you experience those things, you're like, wow. And then I got out and I was like, how did this even happen? You know, I didn't know that I was codependent in my therapist, licensed social worker helped me realize that I had encountered emotional and sexual abuse, that I was codependent. Oh. And like, I realized that so many of my relationships I was codependent you know and I just didn't know what real boundaries were and yeah I was like how how did this happen I had such a good life like I wasn't you know overtly abused in my childhood but as I grew up and I had my own children I realized oh I was emotionally and you know in this religious kind of like abused and controlled in this covert narcissistic way. And that's why I felt it was so normal for him to treat me that way. Sure. You get used to the invalidation, the neglect, the emotional unavailability, the manipulation, the control and everything. So when someone comes into your life, you think that that's what love is. Yeah. And for me, unfortunately, he was also my first like official, like he was my second boyfriend, but first like love, love. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so then we got that whole mix yes. together. It's like just naive. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, don't even get me started, Raven. That is the first love when your first love is a narcissist or sociopath. It is like, it really sets the stage to a, sometimes a long road of healing and relearning what actual love looks like. Yes. Yeah. So I'd love to get into what are the red flags? Because a lot of people know the term narcissist nowadays. Thankfully, it is being brought out into the light a lot more and talked about more openly. Um, Sometimes I 
tend to think it is overused, which devalues the actual term of people going through narcissistic and abusive relationships. But what does a narcissist look like if someone is just getting into this terminology? And what are some red flags? Yeah, they're very charming. Like I said, they know exactly what to say and when to say it. Like they're highly sensitive, just like the empath, but for bad reasons. Mm -hmm. They're highly sensitive to make sure that their evil playbook is not revealed. Um, so the first thing I really would say is that if you're getting an over inundated amount of love from them, like over the top, like flying you to exotic islands or taking you out to really expensive first date, you know, type of uh, restaurants, saying that they love you right away, constantly texting you and not giving you your independent space, like almost like they're clingy, but they don't really come off as clingy because they're showering you with so much love that personally you may feel like deprived of or you feel like you don't even have that love for yourself. So you, you think, oh my gosh, I found the one who's like finally my answer for all of my pains and my, my wounds. And they know that. So they pour all of this love onto you. The term is called love bombing, which is different than a normal relationship where you talk a lot, you know, and there is that kind of honeymoon phase. It's different because they're strategically doing all of these things to hook you into like owing you, to hook you into controlling you. They'll say, wow, what a really nice dress, but why did you wear those flats? Heel or heels would have looked better with that. You know, it's like, a compliment with a jab, a compliment mm -hmm. with a jab. And those who are healthy will just compliment you. They won't point out things that they want to control with a jab. So those are like two really major signs right there. Yeah, for sure. The devaluing that comes <laughs> after they make you feel like you're the most special, important, coolest person in the world, only to then use those things that they loved about you against you later on. And I think that um, the chemistry comes on super fast, like you said. And personally, what I found to be really challenging was after all of my relationships with people that were more narcissistic, I did not know how to be in a healthy relationship. I did not know what that looked like. If something was moving slower or there wasn't as much um, like lust and attraction in the beginning, I was just like, nope, not for me. This is boring. So that could be pretty tricky after the relationship itself. It can. Yeah, they know how to flood you. Like there's an actual chemical, uh, you know, reaction going on in your brain and they flood you with all that dopamine. So then the dopamine kind of fogs everything and it starts to another term gaslight all of the things that they're starting to do, like, you know, jab you, put you down because a narcissist has the lowest self-esteem. So they need to always make sure that they're elevated above you in any situation in the outside and in your own interaction. So they're going to constantly mm -hmm. put you down. But at the yeah. beginning, it's not as obvious because you would just walk away, right? Like no one's going to put up with that at the beginning. So of course, they, yeah. they like groom you enough to where you're like, oh, but they didn't do this at the beginning. So they're not really like this. They're just mm -hmm. feeling tired. I just does, said something wrong. Oh, they're just disappointed or stressed out from work. And then it's like all these different justifications over and over when yeah. it's like, no, that's not how a healthy person should react at all. Of course, it's a power dynamic. It's all it's all a game in their mind. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's unfortunate because it 
they've they've had to survive in that power dynamic as children growing up and then also with this whole concept in in psychology called mirror neurons where what you see as a child as early as an infant you pick up the behavior of how to do it from your parents so if you have a narcissistic parent and you know you see the behavior you pick up on it and if no one calls you out and corrects you before you're 18 that that's not acceptable and you don't have any consequences from that action and that's how you think that the world should be. That's how you think that you should behave yep. when it's not. Yeah. And then they just kind of feed into that negative, dark, like energy of selfishness and their ego grows bigger and bigger and, and protects them and divides them further and further from people. And yeah, they're either super charismatic and they're, everyone loves them out in yeah. public, but they're a horrible nightmare in the house. Or they're complete introvert, where it's like they avoid people on the outside and they put you on the pedestal, but at the same time, they knock you down. It's like, put you up, knock you down, put you up, knock you down. So it's like they're relying on you, like you're fully responsible for their social life, for their entertainment, for everything. And yeah. also, oh, wait, I have to be better than you. So then they knock you down. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. because what you mentioned my ex was abused as a child. He was sexually molested. And I think that I saw that as an excuse for, oh, I need to help him. I was also codependent and I was emotionally abused as a child. So it's like, you can either turn into the abuser and relive that treacherous cycle, or you can unfortunately end up into the similar dynamic patterns in a relationship and also replay that trauma from earlier childhood. And I know your book is called The Empath and the Narcissist, so I'd love to get into what kinds of people attract narcissists and why. Yeah, well, it is usually the most vulnerable. It's someone like maybe you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe you've always had low self-esteem. You were controlled as a child. You didn't have any freedom of self-autonomy. Um, you're highly sensitive. You have just a really deep, caring, compassionate heart and you know, you kind of fall for different um, schemes or fall for different, um, what is the word, scams, right? So you just have like, everyone is as nice as me and kind of have this naive perception. Um, and we wish the world was like that, but it's not. And so that's who the narcissist is drawn to. And that's who they kind of stalk and they, and they pick, you know, who they're with specifically because they know their shortfalls. They know what they need. They know that a healthy person wouldn't put up with their crap. They would just talk, not talk to them, block them and move on. So they find people who, you know, it's funny. I quoted it in my book at the end when, in one of our arguments, mine specifically said, I chose you for this very reason. I chose you because you were a blank canvas that I knew that I could mold into whoever I wanted to be. And I was like, I was so shocked. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, <laughs> thank you for that huge truth bomb because I'm not going to accept that anymore. Like, mm -hmm. that's not who I am. So, yeah, it's, it is, that's why I'm always talking on my podcast and all of the exercises in the book is to build up your own self-worth, your own self-authority, healing, you know, your childhood wounds, knowing who you are and being able to critically think and mm -hmm. read between the lines. You know, you don't have to be skeptical about everything, but you shouldn't also be just like blindly 
you know, rose-colored glasses on all the time, thinking that everyone has your best interest at heart yeah. when normally everyone has their own self best interest. And sometimes it's reciprocity, and that's great. And then other times it's just use and abuse whatever the supply you're giving them, and that's not what you want to be, you know, prone or vulnerable to receiving. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for making those points. And something you mentioned before, which I wanted to go back to, was how they look to the outside world. Something that personally made getting out of my relationship so much more difficult is how great everyone around me said that that person was. Um, My last boyfriend, for example, I wouldn't say he was a full-blown narcissist, but very high on the spectrum. And um, Mm -hmm. no one believed me. Everyone was like, he's so friendly. He's such a great guy. And I thought he was a great guy too, until I exited the relationship and it all kind of dawned on me. I was like, what the fuck? What, why did I stay with that terrible person? But the invalidation and the way that they get other people on their side, I'd love for you to touch on that and how that could make things so much more challenging to feel empowered enough to walk away when everyone is telling you that you're just making it up. Yeah, that is the most isolating and horrible feeling is when you're asking or you're going to the people who who know them that, you know, hey, he's great. But it's like, yeah, but you don't realize that he he um, I even had a guest a long time ago. She was uh, physically abused. He would go out. He would fix roofs on neighbors houses and help them the best guy ever right and then he would come home and he would blame her because she quote unquote volunteered him or like they were she was friends with them so he felt like he had to and so then he would beat her up at home because he had to he was tired and he had to do that all day it's like take a responsibility and that's the thing too is they don't take responsibility um yeah and the thing that you just need to keep working on and focusing on is trusting yourself And the the best way to do that is not in your brain, not in your mind, because everyone's going to confuse you. Everyone's going to convince you that, you know, they're great. And you also fell in love with this great person that they put a mask on at the beginning. But when your body recoils, when they come close to you, when they say something that is trying to woo you back and you're like feeling really numb and frozen, that's what you need to listen to is your own body, your own intuition and all the different types of, you know, meditations and kind of the self-help you know exercises journaling really just like listening to your breath and your heart that's the only way to really root yourself and say you know what I don't care what anyone else says they may be under this whole like false fog that he's or she has put on them but I'm not and I feel it in my body and you just need to tap into that and use that as your strength Mm, yes for sure and that could be at least I'll only speak for myself so much easier said than done was learning to trust your intuition again and get in touch with your inner voice. Cause a lot of times when we're in verbally or emotionally abusive relationships, we are so that's like taken from us. Our identity is snatched from us. We become so disconnected to that inner knowing. And eventually because they turn everything around on us, we don't know how to trust ourselves. So I think that that is a huge huge part of the work in healing from abuse is getting in touch with your um, intuition, your higher self, whatever you want to call it after that's been seemingly taken away for so long. Yeah. And find yourself, you know, doing more quiet times, you know, instead of 
trying to have a conversation with them or an argument or like um, fight for yourself, that's actually going to dig yourself in a bigger hole because the narcissist is very clever at rewording things and devaluating you and making you doubt yourself. So that's the last thing you want to do. So don't even worry about proving yourself to them or anyone else. Like you, you hear that they're starting to do that to you and you like hold on to your body feeling and go away and just like breathe, find your quiet time and continue to just be within yourself and not like trying to chase after what they're going to say about it because they're not going to say anything good about it for you. It's only going to self-serve them. <laughs> You're never going to win ever. <laughs> never, ever, ever. Yeah. Not with them at least. You can yeah. win, I think, by standing in your power and walking away. So yes. I would like to talk about that now is how did you personally come to find the courage to not just leave the relationship, but often staying away is also a big challenge. So you yourself, Raven, how did you find the courage to do that and to stick with that choice? Yeah, it took me quite a few attempts. It was on my eighth try of leaving. So don't feel bad. The average amount of times to leave is seven. I've heard even up to 12. So everyone has their unique journey of can I survive? Can I stay away? Or am I going to like reverse hoover myself back in? Or are they going to hoover me back in? And if they do, that's okay. It's like... It's like running a marathon, like get back up and try again. But on my eighth attempt, you know, I knew I had to lock in a lease and in order to hold myself accountable to not move back in. So we had a really big argument. I was actually after a trip. I went to visit my family. They had a whole bunch of kids and he didn't want any kids at all. That was like not in the question at all. I was able to convince him to marry me, but by the way, that doesn't fix it either. Sadly not. Sadly not. So I was still naive. Um, But yeah, I I came back and I was so, like, I felt so good being there. I think that's the other thing too. I removed myself from being with him without feeling like I had to leave forever. And I felt so good being with them and enjoying adventures and all these beautiful, nice children. And I really realized, like, I want that. Like, that really made me happy and that lit me up. And so I wasn't even asking him for them again. I was just out at dinner and I was explaining to them him how like how great my trip was right what you do you share your experience and he didn't listen to me at all he immediately just went in on how they were um what is the right word um I can't think of the word they were like breeders like the breeders of the world are having all these kids and he was just like super high and mighty about how it was so bad for the earth and You know, if you believe that or not, that's not really the way to like go about it. And you don't judge people and you're not listening to someone who you're supposed to love and Uh validate how that was a really wonderful trip for her. And so he just kept going on about lecturing me and putting them down and literally like zero empathy. So I just sat there. I'm like, I had to go to the bathroom because I was going to bawl and cry. I was like sobbing in the bathroom. I was like, okay, he's never going to listen to me. He's never going to change. I have to, I have to get out. I have to figure this out. And then it started escalating to physical. And thankfully I, I was able to get lined up with a friend who was like an, his friend. And she hooked me up with another friend. And I don't know, it was like the universe set me up to have a roommate, sign a lease. And I was out and he left because he didn't want to deal with me leaving. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so grateful. He did not approach me but I didn't have family help me I had my uncle and my big cop cousin help me and everything (laughs) so just in case he came by 
but yeah, that that's that's how it came. Like I said, I saw the dark dark mist. I had a dream about the dark vortex, and I was like, "That's it. Mm. I I have to get out." And intentionally, I wasn't planning on divorcing him right away. I wanted to just get out to be safe, and then to go to therapy together. That was my plan. And then he, I guess, during this whole week before, went down to my sister's tried to have an affair with her and she waited a whole week to tell me after I moved out and I was like okay I'm done like where are the divorce papers can I please file them today like I was like that's it that's the last straw so Mm. yeah that's that's how I found the strength was just like no more (laughs) no it is definitely one of the most difficult things to do and I have so much respect for you Raven and for anyone that is frustrated with themselves because they find themselves keep going back. Please do not get discouraged. I, I think I had to leave like five or six times, but when you're done, like you said, you're done and, and you know, and maybe you're just not up to that point yet. Um, but I have so much like applause for you and anyone who has gone through it because it truly is. Um, it could be very dangerous. It's so scary and you have to relearn who you are from kind of ground zero, but it's a, it's a beautiful journey when you make it out on the other side. It really is. Yeah, it is. And you know, what's creepier too, is that I didn't realize it again until I moved out, but he had hacked into my email and he knew that I had signed a lease with them and he knew that I was moving out. So thankfully he gave me space, but it was still very creepy that he hacked into my email. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And safety concerns is actually extremely real. And I would highly suggest anyone that is in any type of abusive relationship to seek the help of a professional counselor to go over because many women escaping domestic violence relationships, unfortunately, are killed and do not survive, not to scare anyone. But I do have to just add that there, that it could pose a very dangerous safety risk if you are dealing with a person that unfortunately is ill mentally so yeah yep go to the library use your therapist um email even anything that you have to correspond to plan your exit don't use anything that they have any connection that they can access yeah yeah Yeah. thank you for mentioning that Mm, thank you so on a more positive note um if you have gone through a abusive narcissistic relationship we can find ourselves attracting the same person, different face situation after. Um, so what are your tips or your personal experience on how to break the cycle of jumping from an unhealthy relationship to another one? How do we end that dysfunctional relationship pattern of abuse? Yeah, again, it goes back to going within yourself, healing your childhood wounds. The number one favorite meditation I have on My YouTube channel that's also in the book is inner child meditation, you know, reparenting yourself, healing all of you, taking away the burdens, ancestral burdens, um, so many different expectations that are put on us that make us feel not worthy, right? Because that's really what they were vulnerable to was us feeling like we weren't worthy. So we just put up with it. So really healing your self-worth doing self-care, self-love exercises, affirmations. You probably are experiencing PTSD. So in my book, I also have an EFT tapping exercise. Yeah, it's just really just focusing on yourself, you know, loving on yourself, rooting yourself, growing yourself before you go out there and you meet someone new. 
For sure. And taking time to be alone, I think that's also at least was critical to me and where I'm at right now is like, I don't have any desire to date right now. I want to date myself. And I recognize that that could be a big fear for people is being alone. But sometimes we have to do the opposite of what we're naturally, you know, if we're inclined to get on Tinder the second after we get out of a breakup, narcissistic people can kind of energetically pick up on that. And it's crazy how that works. But give yourself time to give yourself what they couldn't give you and learn to love yourself before going out and feeling rushed or pressured because you're a certain age or all your friends are married or whatnot. Um, I think it's so valuable to learn to sit with yourself. Yeah. And at the, when you first leave, you're going to be really angry. You're going to be bitter and vibration meets vibration. So if you're going out there dating, like, Oh, like I just have to get over it. Like with this or that, or I'm just so upset that that happened. Like, even though you're trying not to consciously, you're subconsciously bringing like this lower vibration of just like, you know, wounding and unhealing. And so you're not going to attract the right partner that's going to help you grow that's healthy themselves because they're going to be like, oh, no, oh, and no, thank you. Like this energy is yeah. no bueno. So that's why working on yourself first to elevate your vibration, to heal all those wounds and really have compassion and love for yourself, then it'll pour out and you will attract someone who's healthy, who loves you and adores you and you are worthy of that love. So they will come. Yes, you are so worthy. But, yeah, you have to do the work. You have to do the work. It's not just like, oh, I'm just gonna sit and like manifest it. Like, oh. there's work involved, <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful work. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm so happy you said that, Raven, because um, it's okay if it doesn't happen the first time, right? Like, if you get out of this relationship, and then you do you do the work, but two months later, you get back with someone that's another asshole or something, I, I like to count the small successes. So whereas I stayed in that relationship for two years, this time we only stayed for one year. And it's like, you learn to pick up on things sooner, and you learn to challenge what they're saying about yourself and not take it at face value. So it is a lot of work. um, But the more work that you do and the more you heal that shadow and those inner child wounds, I I do think that it gets easier over time, which will lead you to the right relationship where a person's going to cherish you and treat you well. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So we only have a couple minutes left. Um, I'd love for you to talk more about yourself what you're offering, what you're working on, and where people can find you. Yes. So I am, again, I have my podcast. I am posting twice a week, every week, just continuing to spread the message. With that, I write a blog. So I write it on my blog, ravenscott.show, as well as on Medium, which is kind of new, but it's growing. It's kind of exciting and fun. I'm like, okay, let's just get our feelers out over here on Medium. And um, I'm creating an app. I need to kind of preserve some energy uh, this fall to create an app um, that's going to support everyone with everything I have in my book. I have it like up on YouTube, but it's a little bit hard on YouTube, you know, because there's like all the different advertisements. You have to have your phone open. It's like, I really would love to serve people with an app. You can get sparkle reminders um, every weekend in my newsletter. I do um, every Zodiac. I do a self-care tip that if you sign up for the newsletter. So I'm really trying to support in all the different spiritual ways that really have helped me. And so I feel like I have a lot of 
you know, tentacles out there. But um, yeah, it's all just for the same cause to help you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic yeah. abuse. I love that. Good for you, Raven. That's so much yeah. work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm and I have to cheers to my book. Uh, it just launched out live on Audible. So you can listen to the book on Audible. So yeah. Good for yeah, you. I can't exciting. wait to listen to it. That's so exciting. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, it is exciting. It was, it's kind of arduous to get the book up on Audible. So yeah. Cheers to myself. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You should be so proud of yourself. You're doing such awesome work. And I, I know that so many people are going to benefit from hearing your book and even this podcast. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate being here with you, Lauren. This has been a beautiful conversation. Yes, yeah, so important. And do you have Instagram? And if so, where can people yeah. follow you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to check you out after this. Yeah, the main place I hang out is Instagram and Medium. So it's there. I'm at Raven Scott Show on both Instagram and Medium. When it comes to finding my Zen, I choose X Nanovision. They are on a mission to be the best and cheapest CBD retailer in the USA. X Nanovision is a health and wellness brand that offers affordable and high quality CBD products such as oils, edibles, pre-rolls, vape and beauty items, and more. One of my personal favorites is the Indica Dreams Hemp Flower Low-Key CBG Pre-Roll. With hints of floral and woodsy aromas, this sativa strain is perfect for daytime use. X Nanovision is committed to bring you the best CBD products on the market. With no additives, the pre-rolls are 100% safe, organic, and hemp-derived to protect your lungs from harmful pesticides so that you can get all the whole plant benefits with full-spectrum CBD and CBG. Absorb the natural goodness by checking out X Nanovision today at www xnanovision.com and use coupon code Lauren M. Coletti for 10% off your total purchase. That's Lauren M. Coletti for a 10% discount at www.xnanovision.com.